1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Dan Beckett here with special guest co-host Rev. Michelle Jelinch. And today, Reverend Michelle and I will discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. But first, I have to acknowledge the sadness that we feel over the passing of Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. Uh, This is very unexpected. I'm going to read the statement that I put on the Facebook page. I think it says it. We're, We're mourning her loss, and she left her earthly form on Saturday, January 4th after a very brief battle with cancer. She was diagnosed just on December 12th, and she moved off this earthly plane just about three weeks later. She was a longtime advocate for disadvantaged and struggling people everywhere, especially in the recovery community, and her heart was always in everything she did. And her impact on the world has been profound. Uh, she was a dear friend, a uh, prayer partner. Uh, I miss her very much. The show will go on, however, and I know that that is what she would tell me. Uh, just get back to the business at hand. And we're forever blessed by her wisdom, her humor, her humility, and her strength. We love her. We love you, Lonnie. We, we sorely miss you. But today, let us move ahead with our show. If you're listening live, as always, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now at area code 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. We would love to hear from you.
0: Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, anonymity is always respected.
1: Today's show is titled A New Hope. New beginnings bring hope into our lives. And while there is work to be done, the good news is that we don't have to do it alone we come to believe in a presence and a power greater than our addiction to provide the direction we need. Today, we want to talk about finding that power to change and a new hope in life.
0: We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of the despair that we felt in early recovery and in active addiction. Then we'll move into the solution of coming to believe in a higher power After the break, we'll share exactly how a relationship with a higher power helped us to find a new hope in our lives. So, Dan, what was your experience of that despair um, when you were in active addiction or during your early time in recovery?
1: Yeah, uh, in a way, I'm grateful that that it's faded a little bit, but of course, that's something that Uh, I don't want to ever forget you know I don't want to uh, shut the door on it I don't want to relive it Um, and one aspect of what that despair felt like was this kind of you know feeling like I was on a a treadmill a very unhealthy treadmill where you know I might say today is going to be different you know today when I get home I'm not gonna uh, drink or whatever and and I would Affirm that throughout the day and then around about 4 p.m. or so, I would change my mind every single time. <laughs> so, saying today will be different only to have it turn out the same, very disheartening, uh, frightening, you know, certainly a cause for a lo- loss of hope. And uh, I'm glad I don't feel that way today, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I understand. And I relate with what you were saying about. You want to remember what it was like enough to make sure you don't want to ever go back there and also uh, not wallow in it or spend too much time thinking about it. So my early recovery and time when I was in my active addiction was characterized by a lot of chaos in my interpersonal relationships. That was the biggest source of despair for me um, because My addiction was alcohol. Drinking alcohol was the top priority in my life, even though it didn't seem like it. I had a lot of other things going on, but it took precedence in all of my relationships. And so that didn't make for very healthy relationships. And a lot of my relationships centered around drinking and created a lot of chaos that was not a lot of fun for me. Some pretty tough times.
1: I remember feeling bad and and again this is just about every day i i was a uh alcohol was my addiction uh i was a daily drinker um you know heavy then heavier and i remember just sort of feeling bad you know guilty uh, maybe in the morning but both physically bad but also kind of emotionally feeling bad about the fact that, you know, my head was kind of fuzzy, and I didn't feel that great. And, and I kept doing it every day. And yeah, I got used to it. But I still knew um, that, that it was, it would always take some time, you know, into the day, some number of hours till I was sort of feeling more awake and alert. And, you know, and that that's no good. That coupled with the uh, experience of, Often wanting it to be different only to turn around and watch myself make it exactly the same and then wake up feeling feeling bad about feeling fuzzy about feeling bad.
0: Yeah, that's a endless cycle. You mentioned the guilt and shame that you felt around drinking, and I relate to that. Um, I was always very aware of my own drinking, sort of that hyper-awareness of like, oh gosh, am I drinking too much? Am I doing something inappropriate? And I don't know if you can relate to this or others can, but that thing where you wake up at three in the morning with just enough clarity to say, what did I say last night? What did I do? And then you can't sleep. So that would happen to me where I would just be thinking, thinking. And, you know, I wanted to hide my drinking. I didn't want others to know how much I was drinking. And so there was that hyper vigilance of myself. But of course, you know, because I was drinking, I couldn't be very vigilant. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's kind of that um, spiral, you know, downward spiral of uh, self-defeating behaviors. I I, yeah. I can identify with that. I remember feeling particularly embarrassed about how bad things got at the end of yeah. my drinking. For me, and okay. and like you, uh, I drank more than than I wanted anyone to really know. Uh, I drank way more, of course, than was healthy for anyone, and any sane person would have instantly been able to recognize that this is not normal and this is not good, uh, what's going on. And so, you know, and and like many of us, I was able to fairly successfully hide the drinking up to a point, you know, a point in time, I mean, where... Um, when things got really bad at the end, I was very embarrassed because, you know, the truth is out. I, I could not uh, drink myself into the hospital and into rehab and nobody notice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, uh, people notice. So what, what I had worked so hard to try and make private was all of a sudden feeling very not private and... um you know, I was embarrassed about that. I had a lot of other things to worry about, too. But, you know, as an introvert and a fairly private person in general, that for me, that that was a pretty devastating experience. Certainly, certainly feeling a lack of hope there, feeling despair, along with that embarrassment about how bad things got.
0: You know, what that made me think of is certainly um, when we're in active addiction, we do things that you know, warrant a certain level of guilt. But um, I think that alcoholics tend to be very shame based to begin with. So I know that I would feel guilt and shame that was misplaced. Um, It was just kind of a generalized shame, um, like a dark cloud that sort of hung over my life. So even if I hadn't done anything to be ashamed of, shame was sort of just always lurking in the background, which is probably one of the reasons why I drank in the first place, <laughs> was to not feel that. That's a horrible feeling. You know, it works another still it oh.
1: doesn't, right? It works till it doesn't.
0: Right, right. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say another aspect of that despair. Um, a lot of people probably wouldn't call this despair because, in some ways, it's the American way. But I lived a very driven life. Before I got sober, Um, I was almost, you know, like to a workaholic level of just always being busy and doing lots of things and very ambitious, very driven to achieve, which is not inherently bad. But at the level that it ran my life, it was it was not good. Um, And so that definitely created despair because no matter what I achieved or what I did, you know, you can never get enough of what you don't really need or want. And so it was never fulfilling. And um, I was running myself ragged in that driven lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can feel the despair in that, you know, uh, I'm reminded that, and I can picture, I, I would know where I was when, when this happened, I think, I was outside of a a recovery meeting place in the parking lot. And a guy that I knew somewhat well was talking and he said, I was, I feel bad about things I didn't even do. (laughs) And I, I was, as soon as he said that, I recognized that in myself. And I, I really, honestly, up to that point did not get sort of the depth of That you know that kind of guilt or shame feeling that I was carrying. I mean, I just simply didn't know. And of course, that happens to so many of us. I didn't realize uh, what was happening. And when he said that, I felt like, oh my gosh! You know, we made a connection there, and I told him, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I've done that same thing. How can I feel bad about things I didn't even do? Well, probably because I developed a habit. Of right. feeling bad about stuff. And, yeah. you know, th- that right there, we're talking about what was despair like. Um, that was actually a ray of hope, right? The opposite of despair. But um, w- what despair was like is feeling bad about things I didn't even do.
0: Yeah. Yes. Free floating shame. I learned that in recovery and in counseling, you know, that that was a, a big, a big part of my problem. And obviously, we don't have the time to go into that. But a lot of like you mentioned, a lot of the shame that we find ourselves carrying or that I found myself carrying was not even my own to carry. It was sort of inherited shame. The other aspect of um, the despair that I experienced was feeling like I had to go it alone. So I was a one woman show. And I'm an Aries. I'm independent by nature, but you know, in 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 recovery rooms, we talk about self will run riot. That sort of um, propelling yourself through life by the sheer force of your own will, and that is an exhausting way to live. Uh, because we all need someone. No one can do life by themselves. But it was that feeling that um, if I want it to be. Get done. I have to do it myself, and I'm the only one that I can rely on. And that was a lonely feeling.
1: Man, I just want to have written down everything you said and say it all right back. (laughs) I had exactly the same experience. It's just me. I felt alone there was this is just how it was in the world I did was not even aware that one could have a different experience than this I have to do it myself I have to fix it myself I can't rely on anybody else to do anything amen plus one to everything that you said I was yeah. right there with you well, I so think it's a
0: very common experience
1: Yeah I think it is. So let's shift gears now that we know about this challenge of despair and ask, what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual truths.
0: Yes, and one of those truths is expressed very clearly in unity's first principle, which states that there is only one presence and one power active in my life, God the good, omnipotent.
1: And this is an expression of what we call in recovery circles, our higher power. And that is what we want to focus on today. But we might ask, how can I find this higher power that you're talking about? I'm not religious. Are you saying that I have to believe in God? And what does this higher power thing look like in real life anyway? So Michelle, when you think about that phrase, higher power, especially as you encountered it uh, in in your recovery path, what comes to mind for you? What does that mean for you?
0: Okay, so I understand those questions of, you know, I'm not religious. Do I have to believe in God? I mean, I had long since um, left the religion of my childhood and was a self-avowed atheist, which is part of the, I can do it all myself uh, thing. Um, And so when I came into recovery, I did not have any sort of belief in a higher power. I was starting from ground zero. And I had a sponsor who told me that if I didn't have my own higher power, that was okay. I could borrow hers until I got my own. And I don't know if that makes sense to other people in recovery, but for whatever reason, that made sense to me. So I couldn't believe in a higher power yet, but I could believe in the higher power that my sponsor believed in. And that was the cracking open of the door to that sort of belief for me. So I did that. I just believed in her higher power and slowly but surely I found my own higher power.
1: I feel really fortunate looking back that um I somehow managed to find uh, and attend Unity Church before I got sober and oh, almost wow. in, you know, years I'm if I if I do the math it's 6 7 years before I got sober now I did not I did not attend the Unity Church faithfully all that time um I I found it through my spouse uh, we had just moved from Michigan to North Carolina, and in and in North Carolina, uh, there's practically a church on every corner. You know, I wasn't used <laughs> to that up up north uh, with the Yankees. But um, she had found a Unity Church through someone that she worked with, and she kept saying to me, you know, oh, I heard about this place and I think you'd really like it. And she even went a couple of times with her friend and she'd come back and say, I think you would really like this. And I look at her like she grew two heads. You know, it's like we moved to the <laughs> South. All of a sudden, my wife's telling me I should go to church. And I thought she was nuts, you know, but I, I'm so glad that I did because I heard things there at the Unity Church I had never heard before. And it really captured my attention. And and like I said, so we were going regularly uh, for at least a few years there kind of faded away. But when I hit bottom and I realized that i I had a serious problem and needed to do something about this addiction, I at least had a concept, you know, and in unity we we refer to God as um, principle, right, or law with an uppercase l uh, divine principle. And so I had something to you know, a toehold. So to mm-hmm. speak. Now, I I can say I had not, I had not depended on this higher power for my life, oh. like I began to uh, at the end of my drinking in an early recovery. But when I think about what does the higher power mean to me in early recovery, well, it means what I learned about in a Unity Church that gave me a a toehold. It has grown since then. You know, I think it's really yes. deeply personal to each of us, and mm-hmm. and I am a Unity minister and I'm pastor of the Unity of Augusta Church, um, but I think that my higher power concept uh, ranges a little wider than just that. I find, but yeah. I think that's true for most people, even people in mainline Christian churches. I've talked yes. to enough people to know that, um, you know, everyone everyone's got. Uh, Some personal experiences, some, some wordless truths about God that might not be represented, you know, by the doctrine of that tradition.
0: Right. I don't know where this exactly came from, what spiritual master said it, but, you know, whenever we talk about God, the best we can do is point at God. Because our human understanding and our human language is simply not sufficient to describe the indescribable. Uh, I'm one of those people who came into Unity via the 12-step program. So I uh, attended a Friday night women's meeting that met in the basement of what is now my home church. And I think I went to that meeting every Friday for about a year before someone in the meeting said to me, Hey, you know, we've been going to this church on Sundays. Do you want to come? And the only reason I went is because it was a couple of my girls from my meeting and because they said, it's really similar to AA, you'll love it. And I had that experience that so many people have when they first come into Unity of just, wow, you know, wow, this, when I heard that it was about a God of our own understanding you know, that I had that space to believe um, in my higher power, what which was just in its, you know, incipiency at that point, just beginning to um, understand what that meant. But I found that the unity teachings really dovetailed perfectly with my uh, early recovery. And as you mentioned, my understanding of God just really began to expand at that point because I was getting it in 12 step, but I was also getting it in unity. And the two just really helped me to grow spiritually so much.
1: Absolutely. In fact, that is the very reason that our show here exists on unity online radio, because there is such a natural fit between, um, you know, addiction recovery spiritual principles and unity spiritual Mm -hmm. principles. And they really do, I have found in my own experience, support one another. I think it's a wonderful uh, combination. It's been like, I'm just so grateful that I had at least something, you know, going into my addiction recovery with uh, to hang on to uh, because I was also you know, I, I would have said I was an atheist if I even cared enough to define it, which I didn't. <laughs> you know, I simply, it meant nothing to me. I didn't care yeah. about yeah. all that stuff in any way. Yeah. But when I think about what's a higher power mean, um, I, I come to this paradox in a way in my mind because I find my experience of my higher power to be both very subtle and yet very powerful at the same time. Now subtle meaning it's it's easy for me to ignore my the the influence of my higher power you know my my very busy chattery mind can drown it out uh right. fairly readily, and i you know I need to make an effort to remember to um you know take some time apart and take a breath i I really love that phrase that we find in the Hebrew Bible, the still small voice, yes. That, to me, gets right at us. Like, ah, yeah, that I can get. That I understand. Describing that presence of God that I can experience in myself as a still, small voice makes Mm. sense. I can drown it out. Yet there it is. It's always there. Yeah, weird.
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned that the experience of God is a very personal one. And if I believe I've come to really believe that it's very different for every person, which is why we can't tell anyone else what their higher power should be like or should look like. It's it's something that a we experienced ourselves. And I had that experience, you know, it, it, it came to be something that I experienced rather than something that I believed in. And that to me was the difference between just, you know, blindly believe, you know, stating that I believed this, that, or the other thing, and really experiencing it myself. So, as I was getting sober and learning more about spirituality and began to, like you mentioned, spend time in prayer and meditation and start to clear away some of the uh, the wreckage and things that were um, impeding my being able to hear that still small voice, I began to have an experience of God. And it's not even something that's describable, again, with words. But when I had an experience of God, that was something that I could really hold on to because it wasn't something I had been told to believe. It wasn't doctrinal. It was an experience. And like I say, it's impossible to describe, but um, having experienced it, it, it stays with me to this day.
1: I want to leap up and, and shout, Amen, sister, like in the <laughs> traditional church. Go for it. I, I really, I really get uh, what's going on there as I hear you say that because, yeah, that that is exactly my experience. I do, I have to say, I do love um, the the unity phrase of one presence and one power, specifically the presence and the power. I'm not so much about the one. That's fine too, but understanding God or experiencing, like you said, experiencing God as a felt presence and some kind, I don't even know how, some kind of power that that has helped me a great deal. And I think it's for the very same reasons that you shared, that um, I wasn't being asked to believe and, you know, I wasn't asked to check off down a list, I believe this, I believe that, I believe that, which I never found very helpful. I was, in a sense, invited to my own experience right. of this thing that we call God. And, you know, and I use the word God and not everyone in unity does, and I totally right. get and respect that. Because it's just, just like all words, it's just a signpost, right? right? It's just a pointer. Like you were saying, the best we can do is point at uh, this thing we call God. And this thing, even that word uh, doesn't fit very well, is really, I can only describe as an experience. So a presence and a power, that works for me very yes. well as signposts that, that that fairly effectively get at what what my higher power, what God is for me.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, people having uh, difficulty, some people having difficulty with the word God. And I remember early in recovery that someone taught me to use HP if I wanted to say something in place of God. So HP being for high, high power higher power. I'm sorry. And that was really helpful to me because that was like my own personal God. It was like, hey, HP, you know, I can turn things over to HP.
1: (laughs) I love that. A friend said that to me just yesterday. I know exactly. (laughs) But let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery.
1: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett. I'm here with Reverend Michelle Jellinch. And we'll resume, resume our discussion in a moment. But first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816 816- 2513555 again the number is 8162513555
0: so prior to the break, we were having a wonderful discussion. We we first talked about the despair that we felt when we were in our active addiction and in early recovery, but then we moved on to the solution, which was coming to believe in a higher power. And we talked a lot about um, how that's a very personal experience, something that each one of us uh, experiences differently and, and that we were grateful for the freedom to be able to come to an understanding of God that worked for us. So Dan, now that we know about the challenge of despair and we know that the solution is a higher power, how exactly does that belief in a higher power, that relationship with a higher power, how does it give us new hope?
1: I remember for me it it started off in a in a fairly indirect manner. E- even though I shared that I had I had found Unity Church, I had some concept of uh, God that I carried with me, but you know, a lot of those things, if if you're not having the experience, they're just kind of ideas and and words and concepts. One thing I found really helpful to ground them, you know, so that uh, in a way, this was a way that um, a higher power helped lead me from a feelings of despair in life to a new. Hope is simply being part of a recovery community, because when I did that, I was surrounded by others who also had some kind of higher power, and it it didn't matter. I'm sure it wasn't the same as mine. Maybe for some people it it was similar, and maybe for others it was completely different, but it didn't matter. Uh, what mattered was that I was in the company of people who were walking the same kind of path, people who had found a higher power that worked for them. And so I could see how their relationship with a higher power supported the emergence of hope in their lives. And that helped me to see how my higher power could support emergence of hope in my life. So just being part of the community, seeing what other people were doing, experiencing it through them. Just like every time you share right here on our show, I experience it with you. I hear it. I feel it because we've both been there.
0: Right. Yes. That's so important to have a spiritual community to support you in your spiritual growth, whether it be um, your 12 step group or, um, church, you know, some sort of church. Um, I found that both in my 12 step group and of course in the community that I found in unity. And as you mentioned, it was so important because, you know, I was a spiritual baby when I came into 12 step, it was all new to me. And um, I needed to hear, like you said, I needed to hear others, what God was to them, what the higher power was to them, how it worked in their lives so that I could begin to figure out how it worked in my life. And the first thing that happened to me that was really so profound was when I took the third step. Um, in fact, it was so profound that I began to see my, the arc of my life in terms of before and after the third step. Um, for whatever reason, for me, it was a very profound step. I think because, you know, I talked about earlier about being independent, that self-will-run riot, that, you know, um, ambitious, driven, I-can-do-it-all, workaholism, all of that. And so this idea of turning over my will— my will i mean not just my life but my (laughs) will to to the higher power to a power greater than myself was profound it meant that i didn't have to figure everything out anymore i didn't have to go it alone i didn't have to be that one woman show just powering through life in the you know by the sheer force of my own will and that was just huge for me
1: i can hear the relief in that uh, I feel like I'm living it with you for a moment there the relief and the hope that that brings as you describe it absolutely it it is it is profound and I can totally get um dividing life and I I do it too not maybe specifically the third step although possibly but just you know before getting on a recovery path and after getting on a recovery path is right a major division in my life. Uh, one way that I used the relationship with a higher power to move out of despair and into a new hope was through a prayer practice. Right. Now, again, and, and I'll do this a lot today, referring to uh, prayer as understood in unity, because that was another aspect mm-hmm. of the unity view of um christianity that really helped me a lot was the unity understanding of prayer i feel like we we really nailed it because it is very experiential based so um, in brief as we know it's not a talking kind of prayer it's an experiencing kind of prayer and the, the kind of prayer that, we, that I learned about in unity that I began then to practice in my own life, the, the, you know, we normally would call it meditation. That's really
0: mm-hmm.
1: more the kind of thing that we're doing. We're just purposely taking some time to come apart for a while to sit and relax and breathe and then just, you know, listen, if you will, for that still small voice. It's, it's more of an undoing than a doing. It's not yes. so much that we're doing something, it's, it's the things that we cease doing yeah. that I think where the experience comes in. And it's a lifelong practice. I've right. said before, and I'll say again, that my meditation teacher, Reverend Robert Brummett, um, said to me once as we sat down with the, with the group uh, to do a meditation, and I made some comment about being a beginner, and he said, everyone is a beginner every yes. time we sit down yes. to meditate. And I so appreciated that because I thought, well, well, maybe I don't know how to do this or maybe my mind wanders because I'm not very good at this or whatever. Come to find out that has nothing to do with it. You right. know, every time we sit down in prayer or in meditation, we're, we're all a beginner. And just by doing that, making that a part of my life, that is a way that uh, God, my, my understanding of, uh, or faith, if you will, and God helped me move out of despair and in into a new place and hope in my life.
0: Well, you mentioned Robert Brummett, and you can't ask for a better teacher in prayer and meditation than him. Um, love him. You know, my prayer practice has changed a lot over these uh, 24 years of sobriety, and um, I'm a firm believer that any and all forms of prayer are good and different types of prayer are appropriate for different times. Um, I'm sure that my prayers in early sobriety looked extremely different than my prayers do today. Um, But that doesn't make them any less valid. Uh, My prayers back then were, you know, please, God, help me with this. I don't know what to do. Take this from me. Take this out of my hands. Guide me. Show me what the right thing is to do. I don't know what choice to make here. You take it from me. And I probably wouldn't pray quite in that same way today. But that was huge for me. Like I said, that third step of beginning to turn things over to another power and not figuring everything out myself, you know, was such a big shift for me. And of course, with all things, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's all, um, it's all academic until you see how it pans out in your life. And the thing was, after I took that third step and that, um, started living my life that way, my life got better it got better. And that was moving from the despair into hope. It just, it immediately got better. Even if the circumstances of my life, you know, didn't entirely, you know, it's not like life all of a sudden became exactly how I wanted to it. Life life was still in session, as they say, and things um, were still not perfect as they still are not today. But I had Somewhere to go with it. I had that partner in life, which was what became my higher power. It didn't have to go it alone. I could seek that guidance from something outside of me that wasn't Michelle's ego centered knowing. You know, it was a different kind of knowing. At that point, I probably still saw it more as a God, you know, out there somewhere. Um, But that was an important step for me. I needed to get out of my own ego self into some sort of higher consciousness and turning things over to a higher power. That's what that was for me.
1: Uh, one thing that comes to mind, and I was reminded of it as as you shared, and I, I can affirm uh, for myself everything that you said, is that my you know developing understanding and and belief if you will in some undefinable thing that i called uh, higher power or mm-hmm. god um it, it it let me remember that there is possible that there's more going on than i know <laughs> and just that possibility took so much You know, it was such a source of hope just in itself. Who cares if I don't exactly know what this higher power thing is? Who cares if I'm not sure if my, you know, my prayer practice is anything, or if I'm just going through some goofy motions, none of that mattered. Just the realization that, hey, you know what? It's possible. And all these people seem to believe this, that there is more uh, going on than I might know. And so I'm not in this alone. Exactly. there, There is a source Even just if I'm even just being very self-centered and selfish, there is a source of ideas for me to get myself out of this that I'm unaware of. You know, I don't think about it that way today. There is a power and a presence and a source of wisdom and of guidance that I don't have to. You know, I don't have to have every book in the library. I can go to the library, you know, when I need something right. that, I, that I'm that i feeling like I, I don't know what to do, as you said, or I need to turn it over as yeah. we talk about, which I love and which I did last night. Again, <laughs> it's such a powerful concept, I think, regardless of one's theology, right. just to draw a d- delineation between my smaller S Self, the, the thing that's up at night worried about stuff, and the concept of, you know what, there's more going on than I can possibly know. Why don't I toss this out into this endless sea of possibility and, and let it go yeah. for myself?
0: You know, uh, I heard someone say in a meeting once that um, alcoholics have that unique combination of self centeredness and self loathing, <laughs> where we think that we're the garbage that the earth revolves around and so I really you know I really related to that that certainly self-centeredness self-obsession was a huge part of my pre-sobriety life um, but coupled with not feeling very good about myself and so as you mentioned just that concept that there's more going on here than just my own perspective and it really opened up My worldview for me. And unity played a really key role in that because in unity, I heard that not only was there one presence and one power, God, but that it was God, the good. And to me, that was profound. So it began to help me see the universe as a place that was biased for good somehow it's all part of the mystery right i don't ex- i don't know exactly how it works but i believe it through and through that what we have here is good and That was such a huge shift in my worldview for me because I started to hear in unity, you know, that all things were working together for good, that all would be well, all was well and all would be well. Well, these are not things that I typically heard out in my pre, you know, unity universe. It's certainly not what our culture typically teaches us. And so it began to be this antidote to our culture for me, that I didn't have to be caught up in that, you know, self-will and that trying to control everything. And, you know, everybody's out to get me and I got to get mine. And um, unity was showing me that the universe, God, was was biased for good. And I could trust that and I could relax into that. And that was just huge for me.
1: You know, I feel like a bit of a broken record myself, but I echo that as well. A profound difference. That, in fact, was the thing I believe that, well, one of the key factors that I picked up in my early attendance at Unity Church that made me take a whole new look at this whole thing called Christianity and religion. I mean, I had left it behind a long time ago, but all of a sudden, uh, and I remember thinking, this actually makes sense to me. You know, do those people know what you're saying? I mean, how long? How long has this been going on? You find out, you know, it's a hundred years old, and then you find out it's hundreds of years old. Right. Uh, it's like, where have I been? You know, I was definitely missing, uh, missing some stuff here. Uh, another way that uh, my my higher power, my belief in higher power, helped me move out of despair and into hope was that it, it caused me to begin to look. For the higher power in others mm-hmm. you know we talked before uh, about the importance of the community in fact i often remember and will share about how important the community has been well if i have a higher power and then other people have it maybe i could see it in them mm-hmm. if i looked maybe i could see my higher power in them you know i don't i'm not even i don't even know exactly how they conceive of their higher power but it doesn't right. matter Right. Can I see, and, and in unity we might call that the Christ, you know, right. divine mind, Christ consciousness. Can I see the Christ in each person in here if I look for it? And I yeah. found that, yes, I could. I mean, th- and that doesn't mean uh, I'm looking for a perfect person. It means that underneath all of it, and this is true about myself and about everyone, underneath all of All of that that we might call dysfunction, or I I really like the phrase unskillful use of mind, that seems seems less of of a, you know, get beaten by a stick than than dysfunction. Uh, Underneath all my unskillful use of mind and the same in others, there is uh, this presence and this power that, as you say, is at its core good. I mean, you know, that, that's what a revolution, what a revelation and a revolutionary concept in my life. Um, and yeah, that helped me a great deal move out of despair, um, and into a new hope. You know, when I could, when I could live from that place, I didn't, I don't need to drink in order to be okay in the world.
0: Yeah. For me, it was as simple as shifting from the world is out to get me to, you know, the world is in my favor. And that was really big. Um, Another way that I was able to move out of that despair was because unity teaches that God is unconditional love, that God is that power, which is love, not the small L love that we tend to think of as humans, but a a presence and a power of love that is difficult for us to even grasp. And so I learned that that power loved me unconditionally, and that I was unconditionally loved and accepted by God, by the universe, by higher power, however you want to describe it. Well, for this perfectionist and this shame-based person, that was really big. Um, And so I began to learn that it was okay for me to not be perfect. It was okay for me to make mistakes Um, I'm not sure how I failed to learn that in childhood, but somehow I did not learn that it was okay to make mistakes. That's what perfectionism is all about, right? So I was constantly striving to be perfect and um, felt all kinds of shame when I made mistakes. And so the idea that there was this vast power that loved me unconditionally, um, and, and now I understand it more that I am a part of that. I am... Uh, Someone once said An eachness in the allness I am an eachness (laughs) in the allness Or as we would say in unity An expression of the divine Therefore Okay well now I'm getting into our second principle If God is good and I am an expression of God Then I too am good and that helped me move out of despair because, like I said, I think so many of us are shame-based and we drink over that, we use over that, we gamble over that, we do all of those compulsive behaviors to get out of that feeling of pain and shame and worthlessness. And so to begin to understand that I was part of that vast source of love and intelligence and that I was good too I could make mistakes I could be human it was okay
1: that'll change your life right there
0: it will I
1: can it hear sure it did preach it sister <laughs> I'm thinking about the the law of mind action right which as far as I can tell that's a uniquely unity statement of a truth that says so the law of mind action says that well I like the rhyming one thoughts held in mind reproduce after their kind yeah. which tells me that whatever it is that i go around thinking about i'm going to get more of that yes right that also i realized and this fairly recently is also known as confirmation bias right and okay. given that that is how the human mind yeah. works you know it, it's 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 not as if our goal is to eliminate confirmation bias From the way our minds work. That is how our minds work, but we we get, we have the, we have the opportunity. And again, uh, addiction recovery can be described as regaining the power of choice. Yes. I had no choice about drinking for so many years in my life. I regained the power of choice. Well, I regain other powers of choice as well. Like I can choose what my mind is thinking about somewhat, you know, not right. with 100%. It's not like a TV remote where I can completely change it in an instant. But I have more than a little bit of influence over what's flying through my head, especially over time. And so when I acknowledge that, the law of mind action, that's kind of the law of God action, mm. right? And the confirmation bias, so to speak, is that I can confirm the presence and the power of God in the universe and in myself, as you mm. say, you know, leading, leaning into unity's second principle. And so, wow. You know, that is a way that a higher power helped me move out of despair and into a new hope when I realized I've recovered the power of choice, not just the choice not to pick up a drink, but a choice that the world I experience, the reality that I experience in the world is something that I can shift and improve. And when I have the example of what I call God or a higher power is kind of the gold standard, if you will, um, Things only get better from there.
0: That's right. Yeah, and we just covered the first three unity principles. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really true. You know, As first we had to learn that there was a higher power. Then we had to learn that we were a part of it. And then we learned that the universe was, in fact, biased for good, biased for our own growth, biased for each and every one of our highest good and as we began to believe that our lives began to demonstrate that. So It really was true for me. You know, as soon as I started to adopt these principles, my life began to change. And if I believed that the universe was basically a good place, then I began to experience the world as a good place. And I began to experience my life as good. Now, does that mean that I didn't have all kinds of challenges? Let me tell you, in 24 years of sobriety, you name it, I've experienced it. But I was able to move through those challenges with that belief intact that God, the good was the presence that I was counting on. That's what I stake my life on is that this presence is one of love and one of good. And I can trust that. And as I believed that, that is what began to demonstrate more and more in my life. So yeah, it's exactly it's third, third principle.
1: There's a phrase that I really love that I find I repeat a lot, uh, especially at church, and it's this resting in the presence of God. I love that concept, that idea, and the, that feeling, that calmness, um, that hope that comes from being able to do what I call resting in the presence of God. In fact, that's that's a description that I've used of meditation, because sometimes, you know, a word can get so shopworn that yeah. uh, it doesn't really, it's not carrying any meaning anymore. And so I, I find um, that it's helpful to me to be able to describe things in different ways. And so um, what I'm doing in my prayer practice, which is a.k.a. my meditation practice, I am I am Resting in the presence of God, practicing the presence is another way that I've heard of it. And so by doing that, uh, I have been able to move from despair to a new hope by taking the time to, again, practice. We call it a spiritual practice for a good reason. But now let us move into action. Uh, We're on a principle tear. So unity's fifth principle states it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do if you're listening to move from despair to a new hope in your life through a higher power.
0: So think of a way where you might be feeling despair somewhere in your life today. For example, is there there a relationship that you have that feels hopeless, a situation that feels hopeless? Maybe you feel like you have to face life's challenges alone, or perhaps you just feel like your life is lacking direction or purpose.
1: What's important is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on for here in this exercise, because you can take what we do right now into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find a moment of peace. So let's use the example of feeling like you have to face life's challenges alone.
0: So use a statement of power or what we in unity refer to as a denial to deny any power to despair. You could say something like, the feeling of being alone in life is not the truth of who I am. That feeling of being alone, having to go it alone, is not the truth of who I am. And say it with conviction. Say it a few times so that you can believe it.
1: And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. You could say, Through my higher power, I am intimately and powerfully connected with all people in all of life. I am never
0: alone. Then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day.
1: Again, the feeling of being alone in life is not the truth of who I am. I am intimately connected with all people in all of life. I am never alone. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our time here together, and we hope that you found something that is helpful to you on your own recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, again for our discussion, and thank you to all who listening on the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, we bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey, and we are doing this today and forever forward in memory of our beloved Lonnie van
0: Yes. And listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback.
1: Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice
0: of an awakening world.